everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, the latest in optical physics and celebrities you don't want to share a name with. I would say we can't completely say we look exactly the way we think we look because a lot of it depends on how our brain interprets stuff. There are predictions that we should be able to build computers that are really based on quantum physics that can do things that would that are traditionally impossible could there really be an invisibility cloak it may be in principle possible to do it but in practice we will probably never make one as good as people would like to see them on the other hand i want to thank you so much for joining us if you get a chance like Download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So I don't really know very much about optical physics, but I was fascinated to find out just how big of an impact this has on nearly everything around us. From light and how we communicate to the future of computers, the possibility of invisibility, even the idea of is the way that we see the world really how it looks. Our first guest is a professor of optical physics at the University of North Carolina. This is Dr. Greg Gabor. What is optical physics? I, I, don't, I don't know what that is, honestly. Optical physics is really just understanding the physical nature of light and what it is and what it can do. I don't know what light is. It's something I've never even thought of. Like, it's... it's it's light. What do you mean? What? Well, yeah, that's a question that's really obsessed scientists and philosophers for centuries. Nowadays, we consider light to be a collection of massless particles uh, that carry energy and momentum, but also have wave-like properties. So if you've ever heard the quantum physics discussion of wave-particle duality, light fits that bill. When you're looking at when you're looking at light, your, your eyes are collecting a bunch of light particles, which we call photons, that travel through space, um, behaving like a wave as they're traveling to your eye. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> is, is, I guess my question would be like, am I too dumb or have you guys not quite figured it out? Um, I would really say that we haven't quite figured it out yet. And part of the reason for that is when you get down to studying things on that small of a level, the, the rules that we're used to in our day-to-day -day life no longer apply. So the way things behave in our daily lives is very different from the way things behave on this atomic level or below for centuries or thousands of years, nobody ever went any deeper than that. They said, well, light travels in straight lines from place to place. It reflects off of shiny surfaces. And when it goes into something like water, it changes direction a little bit. And it took a lot of research for people to realize that light has wave-like properties, that it acts, that it acts in some ways like water waves rippling on a pond or sound waves traveling through the air. And then for about 100 years from 1800 to 1900, people were convinced that light was exclusively behaved like a wave. And then 
1905, Albert Einstein said, well, no, actually, sometimes it acts like a wave. Sometimes it acts like a particle. And we still don't completely understand what that means. Us not completely knowing what it is. Does that have a, a big everyday kind of application or is that more of an academic exercise? More of an academic exercise. So the mathematics and the theoretical idea understand our, our theoretical understanding of light is really good. We have computer simulations so we can simulate the behavior of light in all sorts of stuff. And that's made its way into computer games, for instance. There's so many computer games now that have built into their engines realistic light interactions, again, on this sort of daily scale. So you get very realistic lighting effects. The place where things get troubling is just trying to understand what exactly it means and how it fits into a bigger picture of how we should view the universe. But that that's still an open question for really almost every atomic particle or small particles on that sort of tiny atom size is we know we can very well describe mathematically what they'll do, but the, the rules that we've created to study this don't completely make sense. Like how does this kind of translate into my everyday life? Most of the study of light that's relevant to everyday life these days is the wave properties of light. So there are things like um, like fiber optic cables, for instance, that are sort of forming the bulk of our communication system with the internet and com telephone communications and so forth. All of that requires an understanding of the wave properties of light largely because we're squeezing the light through these tiny optical fibers and you really do need the mathematics of the wave properties of light to describe what it's doing. So from a practical sense, um, a lot of the optical engineering that's being done takes advantage of a good knowledge of the wave properties of light. Those quantum particle properties of light, those are things that really still are not, I would say, in everyday usage. Um, a lot of that individual quantum photon stuff is still in the realm of physics research as opposed to applications. I never, th I guess I never put that two and two together and thought that fiber optic cables meant that we were sending messages by light. I never, like, I just assumed we were, it was like electricity or something. I didn't know that's what we were actually doing. That's so interesting. And on, okay, to kind of put things in perspective, like on a scale of one to 10, one, we know nothing. Like we don't even know where this light is coming from or anything. And 10, we got this thing locked down. We got all the answers to every question you could think of. Where do you think that we would be at with light right now? Um. I would cautiously maybe say around an eight. We understand the physics of light. We can control light to an incredible extent now. We have technology. We know how to produce it, detect it, manipulate it. But there are these sort of fundamental unanswered questions that potentially could lead to some surprises in the future. So, and in fact... I like to characterize at the beginning of this new century, 
around the year 2000, people started working with the concept of what are called metamaterials, materials that are not found in nature, but that you can in principle construct in a laboratory. And these metamaterials can have very unusual effects that you don't see in nature and that people previously thought were impossible. And I like to describe the history of optical physics is that we've spent hundreds of years, um, if not thousands, if you want to go back to the ancient Greeks, we can go thousands, but we've at least spent hundreds of years asking, what can light do? Like, what are the limitations? What, are, what can we do with light? What can't we do with light? And since the beginning of the 21st century, the question has changed a bit where now a lot of people are more asking, how can we make light do whatever we want it to do? The idea of a metamaterial um, really started in the, in the late 90s. And the, the idea is, is that most of the time when we're trying to do optics, we're working with natural materials like glass. And the optical properties of those materials are really dictated by the natural chemical composition of the material and its natural structure. And then people started saying, well, what happens if we change that structure on a really small scale, on a scale comparable to tens or hundreds of atoms? Well, it turns out that if you can do that, if you can manipulate the structure of that material on that scale, you can, you can make that material have very different optical properties and do very strange things. Um, and that's sort of the birth of this idea of metamaterials is, wow, if we, if we can manipulate the structure of a material on this really small scale, um, we can do all sorts of things that we previously thought were not possible. However, um, in general, um, for, for visible light that we can see with our eyes, we still don't know how to very efficiently make metamaterials and, to, and fabricate them efficiently so that we could use them for commercial devices. You mentioned the light that we can see with our eyes. Like, What percentage of light can I actually see? I don't know about percentages, but visible light is a really small part of the total electromagnetic spectrum. So electromagnetic waves that I was talking about, visible light that goes from our reds to our, our violets, um, that's what we call the visible range that our eyes are sensitive to. And then on the, on the red end of the scale, you go through infrared light and you go through microwaves which are another are another type of electromagnetic radiation and you go all the way down to the, the the low end of the spectrum are radio waves and if you go on the other end of the spectrum after violet light you have ultraviolet light and then it go then the energy of the individual photons goes up and you have x-rays or higher energy all the way up to gamma rays which you get out of nuclear reactions are very high energy photons okay this is probably getting into a little bit of a different kind of subject but what you know the human body and the brain is very very adept at kind of doing the things that we need to do why wouldn't we be able to see that like what would be the reason that the our evolutionary history said, nah, don't worry about that stuff. You don't need to see that. Yeah. 
That's a really that's a really good question, an interesting one. And I don't want to I don't want to speculate too much on evolution, but my understanding and my guess would be is that most of the materials that we most of the most matter that we see in the real world is most clearly visible in that in that range of visible light. Well, two things. First of all, things are probably most visible in that visible light range. So it's sort of the ideal range of colors or the ideal range of wavelengths, since we're talking about light waves, for us to see. And the other part of it is the sun. The sun gives off radiation over a large range of wavelengths, but it's really the peak is centered in that sort of yellow region. And it gives off infrared radiation as well, as well as ultraviolet, but it gives off far less of that. But, okay, this would be like my dumb guy question, right? So if we only see these certain wavelengths, is there chances that there are just things out there? Like there's, let me be super dramatic to make a point. There's some giant animal that's, can only be seen in ultraviolet light floating around in the sky. And it there's thousands of them and we just don't see it, right? Like I'm being dramatic, but I think you really get my question, right? Are there just all kinds of things, potentially big things that are just, we just don't see it. Funny thing is, uh, since I'm actually writing a book on the subject of invisibility right now, I've been delving into the science fiction and there are a lot of science fiction stories that are predicated on that idea. Um, there's a classic story by Ambrose Bierce uh, called The Damned Thing, which is about a, a monster that is colored outside the visible spectrum. And there's another, there's a novel called The Sinister Barrier, which is a very bleak novel, which is exactly this premise that the Earth has actually been controlled by these invisible beings probably since our, our, our existence. And then some scientists managed to see into like the infrared and realize that there are these creatures all over. Um, though the reality is, and this goes back to what I was saying about the structure of matter, is that ordinary materials, pretty much everything that we see in nature is, is at least somewhat visible in the visible light spectrum. And that has to do with the structure of atoms themselves, that pretty much every atom um, and combinations of atoms are at least partly visible or sig are significantly visible in that visible light range. And I don't know that there has ever been found any material that somehow, there. I don't think there is any material that I've ever heard of that is completely invisible in that range. It's just outside of normal it would be outside of chemistry as we know it so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> i've learned not to, right. i've learned not to say never because i can get myself in trouble by saying that too are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions since you mentioned it we'll start with this one could could there really be an invisibility cloak like could something like that exist could we make that someday I'm still I'm still at the level of saying that 
it may be in principle possible to do it, but in practice, we will probably never make one as good as people would like to see them. On the other hand, there, there have been a number of fundamental physical limitations that people have noticed about the idea of making an invisibility cloak. And very recently, in fact, I think it was in late 2019, early 2020, um, some researchers came out and said at least one of those major limitations that we thought was kind of a hard physical limitation could be in principle overcome. So I'm a little more I'm a little more on the side of, well, maybe it could happen, though the technical challenges in making it work are still pretty big, I would think. This leads us into our next question. Best depiction of invisibility, Harry Potter's cloak, Wonder Woman's plane, or the Invisible Man? Oh, um, that's an interesting question. I would... Throw out Harry Potter's cloak just because it's magic. Um, Wonder Woman's invisible plane may be a good depiction because I could imagine that at least all the depictions I've seen have really shown it as just a very transparent craft that would be very hard to see, which seems plausible. Um, the invisible man is sort of an interesting one because the in the original story, the premise is, is that a person chemically makes themselves completely transparent um, and completely invisible, I should say. And that doesn't really seem possible to completely change your chemical composition and still be alive. <laughs> but um, a few years ago, there were some chemists that came out and said, we've made this, we have this, we came out with this chemical that will turn a a, a dead specimen almost completely transparent. And then in a press release, they said, we'd like to try using this in a lesser dose on some living creatures to see if we can get it to work. So uh, I don't know if they've ever succeeded, but people are still trying it. It's, it's kind of fascinating how, uh, especially these days, no matter how ridiculous an idea seems in science fiction, there's probably somebody out there that said, I should give this a try. Maybe this will work. You, it's always the thing like you never know. Maybe it actually turns out to be really easy, right? Like, oh, all we had to do was connect the wires and then <laughs> boom, that's it. That's it. Um, do things really look the way that I think they do? Or is that just our brain's interpretation of it? It's an interesting question. And I don't have the best answer for it, but it is one one way I can look at this, because um, this is something that personally drives me crazy, is you may notice that depending on what sort of camera lens you use, you can look very different in photographs because a wide angle camera will give you one look and a narrow angled camera will give you a different look. And of course, uh, my self-conscious self at times looks at certain photos of me and goes, oh, that's horrible. And then I'm like, I don't look like that. And it's like, well, I'm using a wide angle phone lens really close to my head. So my head looks huge. Um, so to some extent, yeah, perception and our visual system, we can't, I would say we can't completely say we look exactly the way we think we look. <laughs> 
because a lot of it depends on how our brain interprets stuff. This is sort of a weird question that I asked myself at times is, how do I know that the colors that I'm seeing are the same colors that everyone else is seeing? But we, we have a test, right? We have something that could say, no, this is red. Do uh, we do? Well, right? well, that's what I mean is that physically we know what red is. We can talk about it in terms of the wavelengths of light and the combinations of colors. But I'm really thinking about, is that picture in my brain of what red is or any other color, would that agree if I could magically jump into somebody else's head, would, would our brains interpret that the same way? That's one of those things that like, I like to think about it for about 30 seconds. And then I'm like, no. I can't, like, it's Wednesday, man. I can't throw my whole brain for a loop about the nature of reality in my existence. <laughs> this is just too much for me. Um, this is way above my head. What is quantum noise and coherence theory? Let me start with coherence theory because that's one of my specialties. So what it really comes down to is... When you're looking at a light source, uh, like an ordinary light bulb, you're seeing what looks like a steady stream of light. Or you look at the sun or a star, you're seeing a steady stream of light. It looks pretty constant, you know, barring power outages or fluctuations of power or whatever. But really what you're seeing is a light wave that is fluctuating really, really fast, much, much faster than you can see with your eye. And in fact, much faster than we can detect with with most detectors. And coherence theory is a subset of optics that is all about asking, how do the random fluctuations of light affect how it behaves? It's in essence, um, it's really analogous to uh, statistical mechanics or thermodynamics in physics. So. Statistical mechanics is all about, you have a box that's, got, that's filled with gas. If you look at that box of gas, um, you know, on average, it doesn't look like anything's happening in there, but there are, all these, there are all these atoms bouncing around or all these molecules bouncing around. And then the question comes, how, do the, how, does, that, the, how does all of those motions of all of those different atoms and molecules what, how do all of those combine into the behavior that I'm seeing at a particular time? And coherence theory is basically the optics version of that. It's saying, okay, when I look at a light source, I'm actually seeing all the, um, what I'm really seeing is, is the average of a bunch of random fluctuations of light. And how do I how do I study the physics of that? How do I relate what I might, how do I relate what I'm seeing to the random fluctuations or the other way around? That makes sense to me, right? Like light is actually going like every direction and all the time, but yep. somehow my, somehow I piece it together as like, oh, it's coming from that light bulb. Yeah. Is that kind yeah. of? A little bit. Yeah. Um, you could think of too, is that when you're looking at a light bulb or the sun, you're really looking at the output of a bunch of atoms, a large number of atoms that are all radiating independently. They're all doing their own thing. It's like a bunch of people in a room randomly shouting words out. And 
when all those people randomly shout out words, on average, you're going to hear something. <laughs> and the question then is, what do you hear? <laughs> um, you know, what, what, is the av what is the average sound made by all of those noisy people? Let me follow that. Let me follow that up with a brilliant question of best use of lasers in a movie. I'm still going with Goldfinger. Um, using a, a laser beam to slice James Bond in half is still probably my favorite. Though I also should give a shout out to the movie Real Genius because that movie, um, Val Kilmer, way back when, it's all about graduate students basically studying optics and trying to make a really big laser. And it is depressingly accurate. Clearly the writers of that movie knew something about grad school and about lasers and physics. <laughs> Like if we, okay, science fiction kind of stuff. If we somehow invent laser blasters, like what's that, what would that really look like? What movie would you say like, oh, that's, that might actually be what that would look like. So far, I'm not sure any movie has really captured it well. And part of that is, is that lasers can be incredibly dangerous, but their danger comes from dumping a lot of energy in a location at one time. So, you know, you can burn a hole through something. Um, but what lasers don't have, which you see in a lot of movies, is they don't have a kick to them. Like if somebody gets shot with a gun, the bullet makes an impact and knocks them backwards. And in a lot of movies involving laser blasters and so forth, you'll see the people get knocked backwards by the blast. But a real laser doesn't do that because the the photons the light particles don't have any mass so they don't have a lot of kick to them in comparison with a gun so if you shot someone with a a laser gun you might burn a hole in them but you wouldn't knock them flying so you would just be shot and you'd still just be standing there with a hole in your chest yep but you'd still be standing in exactly the same place pretty much um, um i should say that Light does carry momentum, momentum being that kind of oomph of motion that when one you know billiard ball hits another, it knocks it away because the one ball transfers the momentum to the other. Light does have momentum. It does have a little bit of a kick to it, but it's a very small amount of kick, pretty much negligible on a day-to-day -day basis, which is why when you go out on a hot day, you know you don't open your front door and get blasted back into your house on a sunny day. Will we ever be able to travel past the speed of light or get anywhere close to it? Everything that we know about physics right now says that we won't get past the speed of light and that that is a fundamental barrier. And everything that we know about um, Einstein's relativity and the speed of light suggests that it would be pretty close to impossible to get a spacecraft even close to that speed, like I, I once mistakenly put, when I was a, a, a starting professor, I once mistakenly put as a homework problem for students, I said, okay, calculate the, uh, well, like the fraction of the speed of light that the space shuttle went. And it, it, it's just this ridiculously tiny number. Um, our fastest craft have not even gotten close to the speed of light yet. However... It Again, I can say there's there's we we know 
we know a lot about physics in the universe, but there's still plenty of things that we don't really understand. Things like dark matter and dark energy that make up a ridiculous fraction of the universe that we can't even see. So maybe somebody will figure something out in the future. Imagine you're going to like meet the, your idol and you've got to wow them with one light fact. What are you going with? Okay, I've got a good one. Um, so it takes roughly about two square meters of sunlight properly focused to melt rock. Wow. You can... Even even from here on Earth, 93 million miles away, like that's still... Yep. There's... You can find videos online of these places. I believe they call they're called it's called a solar furnace where this is exactly what they have is they've basically designed a big um probably a mirror to concentrate a lot of sunlight into a little spot and they can plop a plop a, an actual piece they can plop a piece of metal in there and melt the metal easily and actually just melt stone and you know, so when you're out sunbathing, you can think about how, you know, there the the sunlight that you're encountering is is pretty intense, really. Last question: Where do you what do you think the future holds? Well, in my own areas, it seems like the big things that are starting starting to come around is some quantum technology of using quantum physics to do calculations and to do cryptography um so because because individual atoms the physics of individual atoms is so radically different than what we experience on a day-to-day -day scale there are predictions that we should be able to build computers that are really based on quantum physics that can do things that would that are traditionally impossible, like solve mathematical problems that would otherwise be impossible to solve or break codes that would be impossible to solve. And there are already commercial devices that claim to use quantum technology for quantum computing. Um, I'm not exactly sure how effective they are or not, but that that would be one guess for where you're, you might see things going is a lot more of a push to adapt quantum physics into our technology. I want to thank Dr. Gabor so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter and Instagram. And we have also included his information in the episode description. He has a really cool blog that we've linked to and also this fascinating book about the history of physicists and falling cats it's really cool to check out okay now let's go ahead and bring in john shaw okay if you could actually be invisible like what would you actually do <laughs> uh i mean i think i would do what i would do whatever i wanted to do yeah, but what would you do first? What would be like on your list? Like, ooh, I'm gonna do this. Ooh, um, probably just like, like walk into somebody's house. You know what I mean? Like, do something illegal that I couldn't do if I wasn't invisible. For that, actually, would be really. <laughs> 
funny. I think that would be the best way to mess with people. Would be to like just be invisible in their house, like when they have friends over. Yeah. And just after an hour or two, just say one comment. <laughs> and then not speak again for another hour and then just say something else. Like you could really just creep the creep people out so badly. I I, I mean if you think about it, what real benefit is there to being, you know, invincible other than just to fuck with people? I mean, you could rob a bank. I mean, could you? Because most of the most banks either don't carry a lot of money or they have those stupid ink packs that's going to make you visible. Oh, yeah. No, the only way you would really get rich off of being invisible is if, like, you went to Warren Buffett's house and, like, got stock tips. Because otherwise, I mean, really, like, you, you're right. You probably couldn't actually rob a bank. No. But you could rob people's houses pretty easily. But you'd have to find rich people's houses. That's that's probably the best way to do it is to go rob rich people's houses. And then, and then I, but I also feel like your cover would be blown. Like you, like people would know you're that invis, like you're the invisible guy or woman. And then you're fucked when money starts missing all over the place. Well, that's probably true, right? Like you wouldn't be able to keep it. There's no way that if you could do that, that you you would be you wouldn't be able to resist that social media post of like watch this, yeah. uh, like you would tell somebody, and that's the kind of thing that would spread quite quickly. With all these, you would actually probably, you would actually probably be more famous and wealthy simply by telling people than you ever would be by like robbing banks. I think that that's fair. I mean, because as far as we know. There's never actually been an invisible person that we know of. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that they would necessarily tell us. <laughs> See, this is, this brings me to my rant, though, about like, I don't think that if you had the ability to have superpowers, I don't think that you would actually want to have them in the real world. I think it would actually be, unless you were just way way powerful i think it would be a huge pain in the ass like if you had super strength but you could only lift like three tons <laughs> that'd just be a pain in the ass i feel like as a world we would we would turn those people into villains whether they mean good or not just because they're they're so much different than than what we're used to well that's the thing like right if you had super strength or let's say you had super speed and you could run like at 200 miles an hour. Like, what are you really going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you would be... Work at a moving company? Like, Well, no, you would become an attraction, right, at that point. Somebody would make money off of you. That's right. Okay, well, let's, 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 let's move on. All right, man. Let's uh, let's give some shout-outs here as my, uh, my high-tech mouse isn't working. So I'm going to have to go old school here. If you were to tell me a mouse, a computer mouse costs $5... Or you talk, told me it cost $100, I would have the same level of shock and surprise. I have no idea how much that costs. All right. Um, let's give some shout outs here. We'll start off with uh, Sarah, Sarah Romberger. Appreciate you. Uh, Scott Fender, Aaron Hart, Cooper, Abby Dozan, Jody Coulter, Ian Harris, May Cora Ann. Uh, Justin Peebles and Ida Tuftguard. Ida Tuftguard or Tuftguard? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it was Tuftguard. Okay. Well, does she have like a basketball player emoji or an avatar there? Because maybe it's like 
she's saying that she's, oh, she's tough to guard on the basketball court or as tough to guard her last name. It's tough to guard as her, her last name. And I'm sure, um, I, I'm sure she's probably by looking at the spelling, she's probably one of our European followers. So I'm probably butchering the last name, but that doesn't stop me from trying. How's the hair looking? <laughs> Your hair's looking good, man. I, I like it. I don't I don't know if it's falling out or what, but every episode it looks good. No, it's still there as far as I, I did have a dream that I was bald. <laughs> That's one thing. John and I may have lots of physical imperfections, but we are not bald men. No, I, I that is something I never have to worry about. My grandfather who Whoa, you just jinxed the I'm, fuck out of yourself. I'm I am fully confident in saying that. My grandfather who is going to be ninety still has jet black hair. My father, you could create a rug off of his head. He has so much hair. If I could be invisible, what I would do is I would go to your house and shave you bald. <laughs> Not right away. I would gradually go over to your house and sh- continue to like shave certain amounts of hair. I So you thought that you were going bald specifically because of this comment. If there's any... That would be... If what? there's any ex-college roommates of mine listening to this... I used to take a zero to my head, you know, a, sh- uh, a shaver and zero it all the way across. And within two weeks, I would probably have an inch or two of hair that had already like it already grown that much. Why would you ever shave your head that much? Were you in some kind of group? <laughs> I know. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm I mean, I'm just an average, you know, overweight white guy. I'm sure it did not look very well. Did not look good. Um, <laughs> you really, you really cannot be a white guy with a shaved head right now, <laughs> or <laughs> under the age of where like you really can't do that. Is this the America we want to live in, where a disgruntled white man can't even shave his head without questions? <laughs> that'll that'll be the next protest. You know it. All right, all right. Let's all right. Um. So somebody was. I was talking to someone over the weekend about about teeth. So this is a question. I one of the questions I have for you. Uh, would you have? Would you rather have really nice white teeth that are crooked, or really straight teeth that you know might be uh, not the whitest? We won't go like super yellow or brown. Just, just you know, would you rather have maybe not so nice teeth that are straight, or pearly whites that are you know some somewhat crooked? No, I think that you want to have straight teeth that are a little bit off color. Okay. Because I think that shows that, like, people look at teeth and they're kind of like, ooh. <laughs> like, once people notice, they really notice. Yeah. And if your teeth are kind of all over the place, that to me is more of a signal than if they're just a little off-colored. Like, if they're off-colored, somebody might think, like, oh, man, he's just not – man, he drinks a lot of coffee <laughs> or he's not brushing his teeth as he much. Yeah, for sure. He should. If they're if they're off center and they're all over the place, then people kind of look at you like, "Ooh, they might be a little bit more trashy." Yeah, so I would say straight, but just a little off color. I also I also think though sometimes it's not your fault, like like just the way your teeth are. Like I had braces, and my bottom row of teeth are starting starting to get crooked again. Like I'm gonna oh I'm man. gonna have to go and you know figure it out whether that's Invisalign or whatever. Well, remember that it's amazing how all those things you never thought that you would have to do when people told you like wear your retainer at night. (laughs) No, you didn't. And now guess what happened? Now you're in your thirties and you're going to have braces. Well, see, we're so old that like when I had a retainer, I had like the, the neck, I had the neck support retainer. I had like the, the metal stuff. 
Oh my, like it went, went around your face? Yeah, it was almost like, I, I mean, this is kind of going off the deep end, but I, I would compare it in the beginning to like a neck brace because once, you know, once your teeth start to set, then they, at least for me, then they gave me like a standalone retainer, but like I had to do the whole, the whole nine yards uh, in the beginning. So you look like, like Darth Vader? At, yeah, at night I did. Yeah, yeah. What what are your teeth? Are your teeth made of the same thing as regular teeth, or do you have steel teeth? Like what? Why did you have to go such an extreme thing? Uh, Just because they were they were so crooked. Like I I you know, no one no one cares about this. But like my canines were like in my mouth, so like you know they were like way. I I don't know how I don't know how to explain it. They were like in my mouth, but my buck teeth were like you know, way out in front. So it just, it just took a lot more work to get everything straightened up. Also wondering, like, would you rather have had that or be bald? Oh, uh, so, so here's the thing from somebody who has so much hair that I, I don't like, I just, I hate it. Um, I would say that I'd, I'd rather be bald, but I know that those who don't have a lot of hair, I don't think so. Yeah. Those who don't lot of, have a lot of hair call me an idiot right now because they wish they could have hair. So having awkward teeth, man, you're, you're in for it for about 10 years from like, let's say 12 to 22. But if you're bald, man, there's just no coming back from it. Well, you're talking about a much longer lifespan where you're going to be feeling the effects of that. True story. My, my wife likes to tell the story that when we first got together, the first thing she noticed about me was my, uh, I, I had gotten hit in the face with a baseball and it chipped one of my buck teeth in the front. So I had a, a fake, my, my, one of my teeth were fake from like halfway down and the glue that they had put on was turning brown. So like I had this big brown spot and uh, like our second date, she's like, you know, you're going to have to get that taken care of. Right. So yeah, I, I agree. Like teeth are where it's at. People will notice teeth right away. Whether they tell you they do or not, they do. <sighs> I'm pl- well, Maybe they don't notice it right away as much, but once it's noticed, it's noticed. Yeah. Or like, you know, once you see them, like there's celebrities that I go, wow, they have fugly teeth. And now every time I see them, I just think of their fugly teeth. There's a surprising number of celebrities who have bad teeth, and you would think that with that amount of money, they would at some point fix that. Uh, would you rather live a life with no regrets and die at the age of 45 or live to be 100 and have nothing but regrets. I mean, I think it's a pretty easy answer, but then you start thinking about it, and I feel like a lot of people, you know, they don't want to die early. They'd rather live a long life. I'd much rather live a long life. I've always hated the saying when people are like, oh, well, they died doing what they loved. Yeah, I bet if you could bring them back from the grave and ask them about that, they'd probably rather live another week, right? Like, he died skydiving. It's what he really loved to do. I bet he would rather be alive, not skydiving. Dale Earnhardt. Motorsport legend. You think he wanted? Here we go. Here we no, go. No, I'm just saying. You think he wanted to die crashing into a wall like in the final lap of the Daytona 500? No, no. I don't think so. But but that's a whole big question. Then would you rather, if you knew that that was what was going to happen, like right, like you can pursue this career and this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to have a fantastic, be a legend in whatever the thing is you're going to do. But you're going to die tragically. 30 years too early would you rather do that i'm not talking about like the weekend warrior going skydiving like you're going to be a legend in the thing that you're doing but you're going to die doing it 30 years early i mean i i have two answers yes if i didn't have a family i think i'd be okay with that but 
like now, of course not, because I, you know, I want to grow old and see my kids and you know all that bullshit. Yeah, once you kind of have, it is weird. Like once you have a kid, you realize that you could have all these other accomplishments in life, and it kind of doesn't mean anything. You're like, oh, for most, for a lot of people, for family people, yeah, some people I think could have kids and give a shit less, but that do your thing. That was another conversation I had this weekend about that your kids could care less what what you did when you were 20 or 30 years old. They could care less. They're going to care less. Oh, dad, you were an all-state football player? I I could care less about that. It is interesting that your kids will only know a declining version of you. They'll never actually know like you in your prime. For most people, if you have kids young, they might know. Well, no, I mean, you'd have to have kids really young for them to understand like you in your prime. So that actually is a good segue into what I wanted to bring up to you, which it was, uh, you know, it's not it's not a, a, a happy moment, but we just uh, we just I don't want, let's start over. We just are you going to bring up September 11th? I am. Yes, because I, <sighs> I how are you going to bring this up in a way that doesn't offend everybody? Because all right, let's it's almost worth it just to hear how you're going to do this. All right, let's hear it. Because I I, I was a little appalled. Uh, I, I won't say how I know. There's multiple people, by the way, but I won't I won't say the relationship to these people. But, you know, it was 9-11, the 20th anniversary, and certain people in my life have no recollection of 9-11. They, they, they had never even, oh, well, that's that was a terrorist attack in New York City. A lot of people died. And mind you, one of them was born that year. So my question to you was... Is that okay? Is that like, you know, like I wasn't born during World War II, but I still know enough about it and respect enough of it to know about it. Uh, I, I just, I don't know how to feel about uh, these generations not, not, uh, not knowing. But okay, the, here's the thing. All right. I, I hope that people listen to this whole answer and I don't get a whole bunch of feedback or flack about it. I hope you but, do. All right. This is why I was like, oh my God, he's going to bring up September 11th right now. <laughs> Just trying to get this whole podcast canceled. <laughs> like, okay, let's let's go down this road. All right, September 11th is a defining event in American history for us. But for a lot of other people, it really isn't, right? Because you have these massive changes that have gone through society. But if you were born in 2010 or whenever, after the event, after memory age, you're, that's just the way it has always been for you. And it's not this massive defining thing for a lot of the younger generations. And if you compare it to like the world wars, well, 3,000 people died in 9-11. How many million died in World War II, right? Like it's not the same kind of a comparison. And we probably, there are probably like, okay, the fall of the, for my lifetime, I'll use the fall of the Berlin Wall, which happened when I was born, but means absolutely nothing to me. But if you talk to people who are older generation, they'll say that was a huge event in American history, like landing on the moon. Like, yeah. oh, okay, great, cool. Not really a big deal for me, but huge for them. Like, it's not a shared cultural event. So it just doesn't mean anything to them. I don't. Th- I think you're being too judgmental, quite honestly. <laughs> and, and and maybe I am. That's why I wanted to bring it up. And and I hope, you know, I. I just wonder what other people think about that. Uh, all right. So our top five is top five celebrities you don't want to share a name with. <laughs> What's your number five? 
any of these idiotic names that are are weekdays or months. Oh, yeah, like I can't even think of anybody. Like uh, I know Mike Myers, uh, the actor Mike Myers. He has a he has a daughter named Sunday. Okay, but if you're going to be named after a day or a month, what m- day and month would you want to be named after? Oh man, uh, I'm, I'm just I'm going to go a little a little alliteration. I'm just going to say uh, Saturday September because it's Saturday is the best day of the week usually, and September is my birth month. What about Friday February May Monday? <laughs> I mean, now now you're now you're just showing off. Yeah. I had a little bit more time to think about it. Sunday is probably the best day of the week to be named after, though. You don't want to be named Monday, Tuesday. I would say if you're going to name people after the days of the week, Sunday is the best. Okay. Wednesday is second best. And then there's no other options there. You can't name a kid Friday or a kid Saturday <laughs> or a kid Tuesday or a kid Monday. There's only Sunday and Wednesday are the only options to name your child. Well, I think they're all foolish. So Wednesday is about the only one that I would even like. I would just look at it and go, uh, okay, I guess so. I could potentially be convinced to elevate Wednesday above Sunday, to be honest with you. Months. April's a good name. That's a pretty standard name. You don't want to be named December. (laughs) No, you don't want to be named March. January. Hey, Jan. January's not bad. You could be named January. I've known somebody, okay, I've at least heard of people named April, January, July, August. You could be named August. That's not that's not too bad. I would say April and August, I think I've actually heard. I can't name, I don't think I can, oh, well, May, May, I guess, but. May, I know a January, January fanning. Don't, I don't know who that is, but okay. Oh, you wouldn't, but I went to school with her. I just remember her name was January. <laughs> I can't think of... There's Junes. There's people named June. Yeah. June. There's no July. June Cash, man. There's no Marches. February would be the worst month to be named after. What's your number five? Oh, Siri being named after Siri or Alexa. Oh, that would be pretty brutal. Oh, that's got to be awful right now. <laughs> just think about that. Like... What's the name of this new thing? It's Alexa. Oh, your whole life is ruined in that one moment where you realize that, <laughs> fuck, yeah. this is the rest of my life. Yeah, that'd be pretty brutal. That would be pretty, yeah. <laughs> would... <laughs> right? Hey, hey, Siri. Oh, God. Any... Any judge who is presiding over, like, I don't know if judges have to preside over it or not, but any judge who's presiding over, like, name change court cases, mm-hmm. like, what's your name? Siri? Oh, yeah. Stamped. <laughs> like, he's not even, like, what's your name? Alexa. Stamped. Damn, you're done. Right. You don't have to give me a reason. I understand it. All right. What's your number four? Uh, so I'm kind of I'm kind of staying on the, the uh, you know, the the proper names here. And, and any countries, any cities, any anything like that. I just... Just come up with something a little more creative than just, you know, and my it's just laziness to me, you know, like like New York City, Miami. Like, come on. Oh, be awful. Dallas though, man. I like Dallas as a name. That's a good name. Na- name me somebody under the age of eighty that you know that's named Dallas. 
Well, I don't know anybody personally. <laughs> I have a neighbor. God bless but, him. His name's Dallas, but he's like 87. Dallas, Texas. <laughs> you know. Now, I can't think of any other cities or anything like Dallas is a good name. Like, hey, Jack. You don't want to be named like it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you don't want to be named Jack. Amsterdam. Hey, Amsterdam. Hey, Fl- Paris. Hey, Florida. I mean. Paris isn't too bad. Georgia. You could be named Georgia. That's a good name. Mm, is it, though? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> Depends what's going on with Georgia right now. Uh, my number four is Andy Dick. <laughs> Nobody wants to be named after Andy Dick. Number one, you've oh. got Andy and Dick, and it's named after Andy Dick. Like, that's three strikes on that thing. I mean, let's not forget. What about Moby Dick? I don't know what he was. Oh wait, no, never oh, mind. Really? I thought not... I thought there was a singer named Moby. There is a singer named Moby, but his last name is not Dick. Dick. Moby Dick is a book. You fucking idiot! <laughs> I don't know why I got him. I got him. I got him mixed up there. Moby Dick. That wasn't one of my finer. What if moments. his last name is Dick? I don't. <laughs> I, I'm sure it isn't, but. Um, well, not, so wait a minute. Is Moby, what is Moby Dick though? Is Moby Dick the whale? Is no Moby Dick the guy looking for the whale, or was Moby Dick the name of the boat? Um, I I I'm, I want to say it was the whale, but I'm I'm gonna look it up now. So yeah, the the whale. I think it's the name of the boat. No, it's it's uh it's the name of the whale. I don't feel like a whale that size needed two names, honestly. <laughs> I mean, listen, Jaws didn't need just two names, Moby. did he? Right? How good it could it have been if it only had to, had to have two names? <laughs> Some bullshit. Okay, what's your number? What's your number three there? Uh, Literary scholar being named after a celebrity that passed away tragically. Mm. You know, like uh, uh, I mean, ones that come to mind are like Chris Farley, Kurt Cobain, Prince. You know, just. Uh, Stuff like that. See, now, I would rather be named after a celebrity that died tragically than a celebrity that got, like, O.J. Simpson or Bill Cosby (laughs) or, like, Harvey Weinstein. I would much rather be named after a celebrity who died tragically than a celebrity that, like, got busted for some pretty nasty illegal stuff. Uh, You know what? I'm going to change my number three just to be all-encompassing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. My number three is any of the Michaels. Michael Bolton, Michael Jordan, <laughs> Michael Jackson. But see, I, I laugh. Any of the Michaels. I, I, there's some cool Michaels, though. I, I, I'm like, I think you're okay with that. Yeah, but you don't want to share a name with Michael Bolton, Michael Jackson, or Michael Jordan. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not even trying to ruffle your feathers. I, I don't mind Michael Bolton. So, doesn't surprise the anybody. musician or the name. The musician, I, I, just doesn't bother me a whole lot. It's actually incredibly talented if you think about it. Okay, what's your number two? <laughs> um, uh, basically, celebrity names that are, are nothing, just like a period or a Greek letter A, or you know, the most famous one that recently comes to mind is Elon Musk's kid. You know, oh, yeah. Alpha that's, Trident, whatever. That's actually that's my number one. Is sharing a celebrity name with anything that's like weird, Elon Musk kid or like Blue Ivy, yeah, just Apple, any of those kind of things. Okay, so they're going to grow up privileged, probably you would think, and not have to worry about money. Imagine being just a regular kid 
coming from a regular home and your name is Alpha Trident Zulu. You'd have to go by another name. Like there has to be some kind of because they're going to try to make a brand off of it. Yeah. But imagine if that kid like, all right, your name's Blue Ivy. And what you really want to be is like a tax attorney. (laughs) Like, all right. Yeah. You've pretty much pigeonholed that child for the rest of their life because you can't like, all right, let's go. Who are we going to get? We need a divorce attorney. Well, let's go to Blue Ivy. (laughs) Like, no, but he's doing that. You've basically kind of made sure that that kid takes only a certain path in life. Uh, Wait, so that was your number two? Yeah. My number two is name, sharing a name with a a president. Because... Yeah, because then your number one... And I don't one, think that matters on your pull. Yeah. Yeah, then my number one is anything where it's strange. I don't think you want to share a name with a president. I I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I would say you don't want to share a name with, with, uh, with a politician. Yeah, probably not with any politician, honestly. <laughs> president, then senator, then po- any politician. Okay, so is that your number one? You covered your number one? No, no. My number one is uh and any title of uh like a band or or something like or 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 like a, a group of people like you don't want to be named Guns and Roses you don't want to be named Def Leppard you know you don't want to be named uh what who's actually named this the whole point was to have someone who's actually named this i i'm sure we do you know anybody who's named Def Leppard <laughs> i'm sure we could go back and find somebody named Abba okay First of all, don't ever disrespect ABBA. I was listening to ABBA this weekend, actually. Of course you were. I mean, you are Swedish. It was a so. remixed version of it. Okay. Is ABBA Swedish? Oh, boy. Uh, let me look. I, I could I just really... I think that's Ace of, I think that's Ace of Base. What a... Uh, what an interesting top five. I don't... I don't... You know... We yeah. Have... Okay. Who's in your honorable mentions? <laughs> I am... Um... I didn't bother to put one because I I was racking my brain for just five. So, oh okay. Well, I had like O.J. Simpson. I don't think anybody would want to be named O.J. Simpson. Uh, you'd be surprised. Freddy Krueger. Oh man, <laughs> want to be named Freddy Krueger? <laughs> Any kind of like horror people or anything like that. Like Rosie O'Donnell. Nobody wants to be named Rosie O'Donnell. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, please leave a review. It really helps us out. And let us know, what are who are some celebrities that you would really not want to share a name with? And if you share a name with a celebrity, would love to hear your experience.